Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. Mark Zylinski, Jeremy Duval, and Rob Fanouf as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Jordan Hawthorne. I'm Matt Gilbert. And I'm Mark Zolinski. Welcome to another episode of the Narrative Workshop. Tonight we are joined in the workshop to discuss those demons of the mind, the Night Stalkers. And with our very, very special guest, Matt Gilbert. Matt, how are you this evening? Good, thanks. How are you guys? Not too bad. Very excited. So, hey, we haven't talked to you, well, since we did the Vanguard episode. So, uh, what's new with you? Cool. When did we do that? That was, uh, that was a while ago, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, September, I think, something like that. So what have I been up to? Getting Hellboy out the door, I think, <laughs> is uh, the main thing, which is obviously our, our big project. Currently working on a couple of other new things. I was working on something just before I jumped on this call, actually, which I'll do a bit more of tomorrow, uh, even though it's my, I've got a day off tomorrow, but, you know, still uh, stay, keep at these things. Some Kings of War stuff in the background, mostly Vanguard at the moment, but, yeah, things are ticking along. Oh, fantastic. Well, it's good to hear uh, Kings of War in that uh, statement there, because we always like it ticking along. So <laughs> very, very good. Jordan, it's been a little while since you've joined us here in the workshop. So uh, what's been new with you? I am once again diving into my ongoing quest to complete a good army. I'm usually ankle deep in evil projects. And so at least once a year, usually around the new year, you know, I try to put in some work on doing my, my dwarves some justice or my Basileans. So I'm, I'm back at the Bazies. I was going to ask if you uh, had that Basilean project up and running. So, you know, I know you're all excited about that. Very. And the addition of a huge, awesome dragon kind of kicked me back into high gear on that. That new high paladin on the dragon really kind of set the fires burning again. Also, all of the the wonderful new models um, available in Vanguard. I, I did a trade with a friend of mine for uh, for their set of the Kickstarter Basileans. So I'm I'm really in quite a good place for for some of the new units that were just released. The Sisterhood Scouts, for example, and the the Gur Panthers. So yeah, feeling really galvanized to get moving on that again. Fantastic. Well, those sisters are my favorite. So Matt. I don't know if you can tell me or not, but am I going to get a pack of Sisterhood Archers so I can put them on the field? Basileans are getting a Kings of War army re-release or refresh uh, in the summer. Oh, look at that. Jordan, you might put that project on hold for a bit. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I... <laughs> well, that's both good news and bad news for Jordan here. So, but, uh... Oh, that's exciting, Matt. Hopefully we'll learn more about that at Adepticon. So at least I've got one thing to ask Ronnie about. Great news. Great news. Also, from a narrative perspective, though, having different models gives you that nice option for kind of different provincial troops. They're all part of the same force, but you could come up with a, a reason why some of your older models are there. 
Yes, I would love to see the sisters uh, re- revamped with those new ones because the new ones are much better. I mean, they're a little monopose, but I don't mind monopose models, so a lot of people do. But uh, I like them better than the Restic uh, sisters, so that's terrific. Well, that that's like the best news. I guess we can go home now, right, Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> what, and leave all this evil on the table? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> do that to you guys. Uh, that wouldn't happen. So, but All right, well, Jordan, you are our tour guide for this episode, and... Our special guest is basically the father of the creatures of the mind here. So this should be really exciting. So why don't you go ahead and take it away? Before we do a deep dive with the the, the father of these nightmares, uh, let's do a quick review. So we have Manticans. They are from the world of Mantic. They are returning. Um, They've been away for a long time. And we first got a glimpse of them in Uncharted Empires and an even greater view of the horror that was to come during the Edge of the Abyss campaign in 2018, where some of us might have helped open the rift in reality that allowed great evil to come back. Not saying that I was one of those people, but, you know, it's possible. Now, with Vanguard, we see these raiding tendrils of an army of dread pouring back into the world. One thing I noticed in reviewing these is that compared to, you know, the the, the, <laughs> the Night Stalkers, Abyssal demons and Alohi are almost normal, just kind of a part of the world. Uh, Undead are almost more kind of like a, a hobby evil <laughs> or a lifestyle statement for necromancers. Evil, yes, but kind of understandable and familiar, unlived in, if you will. The Night Stalkers are so utterly different and alien, and I was wondering what the inspiration was for that, Matt. Old films, things I've read when I was uh, younger, I guess films like, well, films like Alien, Hellraiser, that sort of thing. I guess just bits and pieces I'd read from fantasy and maybe maybe touched on horror and stuff growing up. Ultimately, I guess it's just a, a, a mashup of all those things uh, and uh, then maybe layering a, a reason for them to, to exist in, in this fantasy world and then, you know, kind of developing that story. Who knows what my subconscious was really, uh, was really up to. <laughs> so in terms of the genesis, it seems like, you know, from, from what I was reading, they're from a community called Heaven of Advanced Elven Archmages who were almost at the same level of understanding of walking between planes as the Celestians. Is that correct? Well, uh, there's the Conclave of Heaven, which was, was a small group of uh, mostly elven archmages that Oscan was training and, well, leading astray, really. But they were uh, they did most of their work out of a palace called the Citadel of Leith, which was in a, uh, a big elven city, kind of a, a big trading city, very, very well established uh, place of learning. Um, and lots of lots of races sent uh, sent people there to learn. It was the citadels at the heart of a, a city, the city which was called Ilarith, I think it was. That's where Oscan visited them, um, and did, they did most of their work and their training. So this was was a, a height of learning, a height of culture, which explained some of the diversity of the people who were were pulled into the vortex. Do you see them as having any sort of agenda having been on the other side for for all of this time and and been transformed and changed since there were you know some some higher intelligences in the group as well as beasts animals looks like a kraken even was pulled in and modified where is the mix between mindless horror and very intelligent horror in in the creation of this as a unified group i don't think they're particularly unified if they do have a common purpose, it's in terms of just 
getting back to the mortal world that you know there's, there's something that's pulling them back there's somewhere where they, they know that's where they belong but i think all, all sense of really who they who they were or what they were as mortal beings has disappeared you know they are now the pretty corrupt and warped uh, the experience and where they now exist or if that's the word you, you can call it so i don't think they have a collective sense of purpose or intelligence in a way that mortals can understand it's more esoteric and what well, aliens not quite the right word but it's yes yeah, certainly nothing that's uh, that's understandable in terms of in- intelligence i think some of them will just be almost acting or behaving on some kind of raw instinct or or some you know that is a very primeval behavior for some there might be a spark of alien uh, intelligence there that's guiding their actions in in some particular way but ultimately they're all drawn back to the mortal world because that's where they want to to be because that's where they knew, feel that they came from and i guess that maybe they can't understand why they're not there so it seems like there's a lingering sense of pain or loss. Do you see, you know, in that central drive to return, do you think that any of them that have some sort of higher sense of self remaining have a, an idea that they might somehow return to the way things were before, that, that things could be made good or they could be made whole again? No, I think some will be individual and uh, that, you know, they will have retained either retained or developed by merging with, with with other ones or other things that are out there on these on the other the other plane you know it's not just the the night stalkers some of them are will have picked up traces of, of other things or either other entities that are out there and maybe that's why some of them are more, more individual there's nothing left of any of them that that thinks that they can somehow get back to what they were they probably can't even remember what that is it's a really interesting counterpoint from the Abyssals, given the tie to, to Oscan on both as the, the father of lies, in that the Abyssals seem that they have a really, really uh, stratified culture, society, if you will, and they have you know goals of conquest, which are orderly, whereas this just seems like a ravening tide of madness with one remaining key thing of, of the idea of trying to return home, but also this, this hunger that seems to feed on the ambitions and dreams and fears of the people who who live in Mantica and live, you know, somewhat normal lives. Do you have any any ideas about how they would relate to each other, having had the same father but being such totally different groups? There's obviously, I mean, you say father, but I mean the the Night Stalkers were a completely unintended consequence of us what our scam is doing. So in that sense, he's not really their father. They're just uh, an accident, uh, rather a horrific and unfortunate one for the people that were that were there. There obviously there is a link because you know as the as the abyss gets stronger or weakens, that that strengthens and weakens the the kind of the the, the fabric and the the bonds of reality, and that lets uh, more or less of the night stalkers or their at least their influence and power through into the world or not. They're drawn to to strong emotions and strong desires, whether that's greed or hatred or you know, dark ambition or whatever it is or, or fear. You know, those are the things that to them are kind of beacons that they latch onto. I guess the uh, the path of least resistance for them back into the, the the mortal world. So, given that, I mean, it, it seems like they could be waiting to burst through just about anywhere, given the appropriate amount of 
I guess, food, you know, psychic blood in the water. So even even Basilea, if you had, you know, particularly uh, powerful, charismatic preacher riling people up, it seems like even though he's he's trying to do things for the greater good, that he might actually be just continually drip feeding a, a, an entry point for a Night Stalker incursion. I mean, is that the sort of thing we might see? Possibly. I mean, everyone, the, the Night Stalkers to across the, the various lands and civilizations either very real and are, are well known and are therefore pr- protected against through to they're just myths and legends. It will vary as you move from place to place. Some cultures might be uh, fully aware of the dangers of, of some things and some might just not know at all and then uh, and then wonder what on earth is, is going on. But, you know, depending on, as I say, the, the state of the abyss and, and, and other factors, what, you know, how easy it is for them to get into the world at any one stage, you may be doing something that could one day potentially bring hordes down upon you or nothing at all. It is fairly random. How do you feel that the abyssals themselves view the Night Stalkers? I mean, are they are they an ally, or can they even be allied with, or are they a tool? Not really a tool, I wouldn't have thought. And then obviously they're aware of them. They can perhaps even interact with them. They may even be able to communicate as much as that's possible on on some level in some plane of the abyss. You know, there where the other the the other planes where the Night Stalkers uh, exist probably kind of interlace with the abyss in in places uh, which is why they can they can leak in when uh, when the abyss is strong but i think they're just as likely to fight the abyss as they are anyone anyone else if there's if the abyss is very strong in the mortal world with a lot of mortal followers and even de- demonic ones uh, de- demons that are strong and have a strong presence in the mortal world might become a beacon themselves um, and pull the Night Stalkers through or at least attract them. I don't really see them as being allies or tools for each other to use, but they may use them or inadvertently bring them forth. Or perhaps um, exploit an advantage that they create through destabilizing something. Yeah, possibly, yeah. So given that, looking through the list, you know, it seems like, again, there's a, there's a mix of Formerly intelligent and just bestial creatures, uh, some of which are pulled in from Mantica and some of which were, you know, existing in the various different realms where the, the people now or the group now called the Night Stalkers exist. But it does seem like there are, there are a few standouts. Banshee and the Dream Hunter seem like they're, they're a little bit more likely to have some sense of self. And the Dream Hunter is, is limited to one as an individual. So what were your thoughts on who that actually is? Is that a, a collective sort of timeless being, or was that a particular creature either from Mantica or from beyond? Neither. We're not really beyond the beyond what's been written in that, uh, that short paragraph for the Dream Hunter. Um, I haven't really gone into any more background on, on that particular model. The Banshee was, the intention there was that she was probably part of the, or let me, there could be several banshees, you know, the remnants of the, the elves that were probably part of the Conclave of Heaven, or certainly at that kind of level. Uh, maybe some, maybe not necessarily in the Conclave, but were some of the highest, most learned mages in the city when the catastrophe happened. Talking before about individuals, these are the closest to the retaining some kind of individuality, perhaps because they were so strong 
mentally um, and magically when they were alive. You know, either some shred of that has been retained or itself was an, an attraction to other night stalkers as they were forming or other things in the ether and they, these kind of these weird places where they've gone and they've kind of coalesced and formed into a, a something that assembles a, a, an individual. So there's a, a Lovecraftian tentacly monster theme that exists through here. And you, you've touched upon the, the otherness, not, not alien as in space alien, but, but truly, truly other uh, and almost incomprehensible to people in the mortal realms. Do you feel like there could be people who would worship that? Do you feel like we, we might ever see, see like a night soccer cultist as a reaction to the fear? The Twilight Kin. Ah, I was going to ask, what's their relationship to them? Well, the Night Stalkers are the ancestors of the Twilight Kin. Ah. So that the pit of despair, the mouth of Leith, is the hole that was left after the Elven city was destroyed. So now that now that they are returned, is this like a, a great portent for Twilight Kin? Can we can we look forward to uh, more information about the Twilight Kin or a resurgence? Well, yeah, I mean, well, certainly Twilight Kin's background will get fleshed out with that information in it, where they are now. Basically, the an- the ancestors of the, the the Twilight Kin are, to the most part, the Night Stalkers. Obviously, there was a lot of other creatures and and uh, species that were were ripped uh, ripped away from the world at the same time but uh, certainly all the the elven survivors of that catastrophe became what's now known as the twilight kin that's really exciting what a wonderful way to refresh the twilight kin and add some some new depth and complexity to them that's that thank you that's great to know what do you think would be the next step for them in terms of spreading through the world or a unified reaction from from people who are aware of them as a threat are, are is the average person aware that these nightmares are becoming real and able to harm them or is that still largely unknown well as i said it's um it will vary from culture to culture species to species so the elves are obviously acutely aware of them Across the uh, across the kind of the various human kingdoms and, and regions and stuff, some may know, some may suspect. To some, it might just be legend and myth. They might be other, not know them as the Night Stalkers, but they might be part of you know kind of folk tales and and uh, fairy tales and you know s- stories to scare the kids and things like that. But uh, you know, and there's there's probably places in the world where you know reality is a bit thinner. Um, so they're more prevalent in those those areas and therefore uh, more well known. And in some places, it might just they they might be there, but just the people just don't realise what they are. You know, they're just horrors. Uh, so and there's there's going to be places which just have never experienced it at all. So I think it's a it's it's a mixture. And uh, as I say, because there's because they don't really have a, a single unifying purpose other than to get to get back something to be drawn back. Then I don't think they're ever going to do anything other than randomly uh, appear or strike um any one time i think they'll you know they're a, they're a good tool for for us to use in terms of uh storytelling uh putting here there and everywhere you know they can appear they can appear anywhere um they can influence uh where we want them to where we need them to but uh you know that's that's a tool for for us as as uh, storytellers and, and and world builders to to use the uh, the actual 
civilizations and species on Mantica don't have any any such control. The Twilight Kin would like to think they do, but uh, and that's what probably makes them quite scary and unpredictable. Well, given that, it it seems like you, you, the more people know about them, it's almost the greater likelihood that they will be able to show up in a place if people are are actively terrified of them then that just seems like you're you're almost chumming for evil at that point just just all of that lovely fear blood out there so can you see something like inquisitorial task forces going down to kind of shut down minor incursions or or you know kind of do almost like a men in black type thing to collect people who know about this or or eradicate influence to um, prevent a greater fear spreading not something i had considered or could particularly see happening don't think i was going to say one thing to note while we're here mantica is going to become just the region of the map that we see at the moment the world's going to get a new name because mantica is a stupid name um so mantica will be what some of the some of the civilizations or or, or cultures around that area maybe in the common tongue call it uh, that area anyway uh, the world, the, the world, the world is a much, much bigger place, and we'll get a different name, and different areas will get different names. Sort of old uh, Primovantor adjacent areas. A whole area that looks that looks definitely nothing like Europe is is what's known as Mantica. That's really exciting, though, to know that that there's a uh, an expansion, and that might just be uh, the equivalent of what something would would be called in a common tongue, but not the prop, and it could just be a regional thing. Yeah, and obviously in the uh, in the Vanguard book, you've seen the, the the bigger map of the world. Oh, that that brought me back to a question I had about um, a Vanguard mission where you're you're dealing with the portal, trying to um, control control the portal. If you've got a, a character being pulled in into a portal, is it possible for there to be newly created Night Stalkers that you, you you know if you're pulled into that portal, can can you become wasn't intended to be a portal into to become night stalkers it would have to be an something of an equivalent you'd almost have to follow oscan's steps again to recreate that accident i see so this is this is the freak accident of all freak accidents yes okay i see do you have anything else that, that you you think we put up points have we not touched upon no i think the the biggest new thing is probably the revelation that the ancestors of the the twilight kin and actually the twilight kin fluff almost needs no rewriting to make that true well as i as i enter yet another uh, cycle of attempting a good army this is both wonderful and terrible news for me <laughs> because the night stalker models are just deliciously wonderfully like tentacle evil and you know having design qualities i've seen in past elves mixed with that is just really exciting that's that's very cool and like for you know the the old you know moorcock melnibonian elf thing where they're they have packs with all sorts of strange creatures that that just makes me very excited you know you get evil evil elves or uh, uh i don't know morally flexible elves and big technically <laughs> evil and it's just a good mix it's great so i'm very happy to see that cool yeah, I can't wait to hear more about the Twilight Ken, but that's going to be for another episode. So why don't we go ahead and slide into a commercial break? We're going to come back on the other side, and we're going to talk about all the really cool models that we have kind of referred to here during the fluff <laughs> that are coming out from Mantic here. Very, very exciting. I know I, 
I have some Night Stalkers here on my left-hand side right now. So, But uh, we'll see you right after the commercial break. You're listening to Car Charge. Quiet down, boys. I'm trying to listen to Dead Zone, the podcast. Oh, hi. I didn't see you there. My name is Hiroku, and I'm your friendly neighborhood Blake Lord. Why, yes, I do enjoy listening to Dead Zone, the podcast, at deadzonegame.podbean.com. Even if it is hosted by two pathetic humans destined to be part of our glorious plague. With that gunfire, damned enforcers are always interrupting my podcast time. Don't forget to go to deadzonegame.podbean.com for all your Dead Zone listening pleasure. Now, to destroy these damnable enforcers. This is Jeff Swan from the Beer Face Podcast, and you're listening to Counter Charge. And welcome back. All right, Matt, I kind of talked about it before we faded to commercial, and that is the Night Stalkers are out. So we had the Vanguard Night Stalkers. Of course, that big box landed on my porch, so I've got some here that I'm already scribbling away at for my 500,000-point lists and trying to figure out how to do them in Vanguard as well at the same time, but that's not a problem to discuss at this moment, but... Why don't we go ahead and talk about the cool models? I mean, uh, the armies are in pre-order or just about ready to be released, and I think there's some new units, and so uh, can you kind of lead us through that? You know, what, what kind of models does Mantic have for us that we can use to represent the Night Stalkers on the battlefield? Yeah, so we've got a, uh, a mix of kind of your usual, some core troops, some elites, some of the big guys, give a good spread across the across the army. Um, still a few units to uh, to fill in here and there, but we're, 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 you know there will be plans to do that. You know we're going to try and fill out the whole army as, as best we can. Obviously we started uh, with Vanguard uh, alongside Vanguard. You know that gave us the uh, the money we needed to tool the the tour plastic frame, which is a combined kit. So it does two of the kind of the core troops, if you like. The uh, specters, so for um, a bit of ranged, uh, ranged uh, weaponry, um, and the scarecrows, kind of the zombie-like shambling horde type uh, type core infantry unit. So those those are hard plastic, um, which of course is everyone's favourite. Um, also the most the most expensive uh, to make. But so that that gives you a good core, and you get you get a handful of those in in Vanguard. But uh, they'll be coming that that mega army, um, and I think we're doing it as a separate um, separate pack as well. You know, you'll be able to get those those frames in bulk as they come out. Also in Vanguard, we had another pack of PVC models that came out, which uh, was a mixture of. Uh, some large, so we had the uh, the butcher was in there, um, the kind of the the fast cavalry. So we had the um, the shadow hounds, um, and then some more of the infantry types. So phantoms, which are a bit, I guess, kind of analogous to uh, wraiths, really in the in the undead list. Uh, we've got the reapers, which are my my favourite models, and they're the kind of the closest to where I had the night stalkers in my in my head when I was uh, uh, kind of writing the, the the fluff for them and coming up with the the unit ideas, and then the the horror. Um, which is kind of a here a kind of buffing unit, and uh, those PVC models will then also uh, appear in the Kings of War packs for for building armies. Alongside those, we had some um, some resin models from our, our resin team, 
so he had the uh, the mind screech, the big brain thing, kind of floating, uh, shooting off all of its uh, psychic and uh, magical attacks. The banshee, who we talked about uh, earlier, one of these uh, one of these kind of old, old arch mages or elven mage queens kind of come back not looking quite so pretty as uh, she was and the shade as well which is just kind of a, a, a looks like a mashed together uh, mess of many other night stalkers that have all kind of coalesced and blended together into to something far more horrible so those are all available as, as as vanguard packs but we've taken that a step further with the resin and mixed that more with the pvc sets so when you get the when you buy your armies um, there will be resin variants of the PVC models to put some variety into into the units. So there are alternate uh, resin shadow hounds, phantoms, and reapers. Uh, so you can have different different poses and, and things like that. Of course, with the PVC, you can uh, uh, hot water treat them anyway and, and create new poses. I've seen people doing that with the butchers to create kind of the the butcher flesh ripper characters and stuff like that. So um, PVC is great for that. Um, you know, just dunk it in some some, some hot water and, and just reshape and repose. But we've put those, those resin ones in there as well. And one of the interesting things was in Vanguard, obviously everything's quite uh, individual, so you're not you're not creating big units of things. So in Vanguard, the uh, taking one or maybe one or two horrors is is fine. Not something you're likely to do in Kings of War. You could kind of spam horrors as a as an individual hero choice. But with getting seven bags of the uh, the PVC models in the Night Stalker Mega Army, that meant you got seven uh, horror models. Yeah, which is more than you'd you'd ever want. So I challenged the RC with creating a new unit type for the horrors, and that's where in Clash of Kings 19 book we got the uh, the the horror unit, so the Rift Rift. I can't remember what they called them, the Rift Walkers or something like that. And so that's where that horror u- unit came from, and that and that's why between the the PVCs and the the hard plastics and the and the resins, you know, we've got a good a uh, good slug of the uh, the army done. Quite uh, quite exciting to see it all coming together, and it's, it looks great as well. We've got some good, great photography done, and uh, some great paint jobs. Good army, and a good kind of statement of intent from from us, I think, and looks good going forwards. Yeah, and then there's some uh, extra models that also are coming out or unit. First, we got the Shadow Hulk, which is looks like it's based on the uh, Colossal Giant there. We'll use that giant kit for a few of the uh, giant conversions. Uh, this is one of the first ones. So Shadow Hulks are kind of mutant, or they they used to be Cyclopses. You know, they've kind of merged into something or been mutated into something new as they as they kind of experience the uh, the transition into a, a Night Stalker that, uh, that, that all the all the creatures uh, that were caught up in the um, in the cataclysm were so yes this thing's come back it's uh, it's kind of almost retained its its former size maybe even kind of multiplied in size um, and come back to, with as something quite uh, quite horrific really but um, I think it looks great it's uh, you know the one we had done I think changed people's minds on it I think when we first said it was going to be a, a conversion of the of the giant I think people weren't quite sure but I think when that uh, that paint, painted one came back from uh, Angel Heraldes it's um, everyone took notice and I think it might be quite a popular kit it looks like the eye is sewn shut the Cyclops's eye is sewn shut and it looks like it's seeing with its mouth which I think is the most night stalkery thing ever yeah I think it's uh, it's sewn shut isn't it the eye yeah I, and again like the hellraiser aspects you know, it looks like a painfully, crudely stitched, sewn shut. The spurs coming off of it, the, the mouths coming out of one of the hands. 
it's just that is one of your the really army defining models in terms of of who they are and the fact that it's a conversion kit is is really impressive to me uh, because it seems to flow uh, so seamlessly with the look of the rest of the army so that's fantastic work that model that uh, Angel painted is the it, it, you know it wasn't a 3D print or or anything like that he was sent that was a I think it was a PVC giant and the resin parts so you know it's it is the production one is does look that good. The other one that was really really amazing to me was um, the Terror. That's itself is another conversion. So that's the uh, probably 80 85 percent of the nameless Goliath that we had made as part of Star Saga with resin conversion pieces to make the terror model and again it's a uh, another angel masterpiece really uh, in painting and I, I never get to see it until he's, he's completely finished he just sends me uh, either sends it me half a picture that's in black and white or just small pictures of it and it's, it's like you know he just he teases me and doesn't show me the whole picture until he's done oh that's fantastic now that terror model is just available in the mega army for right now though but it's going to be available separately eventually Yes, it will do. It will come out on its own. Yep. Fantastic. And speaking of other things that came out, the Fiends Regiment came out. These look like they're all resin and looking particularly nasty. Yeah, and uh, Ricky, our, uh, our uh, mold makers, uh, cursing them, I think, at the minute. I think they're not the easiest to uh, to make molds for. They're, they're making them at the moment. You know, he, he has done it. In fact, I think he was in this weekend making uh, making the last of the, the molds and, and cranking them out. As with a lot of things, it's the, you know, it's 80% of the work on, on resin is all in the mold making and actually casting them is then quite relatively fast. Um, in all the skills is uh, is him in actually working out how to sprue them up, working out how to cut them, working out um, you know how best to put them in the mold, where to run all the feeds and all that sort of stuff. And then when they come out, cleaning up the masters, remaking the submasters, cleaning all those up, making the production molds. So there's a lot of time goes into them. But yeah, I mean they look great. They're um, pretty close to what I I imagined uh, they would look like. Um, these kind of arachnids scuttling things. Very, I guess, what was I thinking when I thought of these things? Kind of the shadows from Babylon 5 and the uh, the bugs from Starship Troopers, but a lot faster than both of those. You know, something that you just would never be able to run away from. It's always going to catch you. It's really impressive to me how that's captured in the design. And again, you know, Mantic just upping the quality on design work again and again. It's really cool to have produced something that looks fast and skittery as a static model. Matt, I had a question for you in this. <laughs> This is one of those Mantic projects where it is really, truly your own thing. You know, orcs have been done by a lot of different people over time. I like Mantic orcs, but, you know, orcs are orcs are orcs to a certain extent. What does it feel for you? How does it feel to have this be your brainchild and see all of these things kind of coming to life and becoming a a tabletop reality for people? I hadn't really thought about it because things are so fast moving you, you do one thing and then you're on to the next so i think what what is satisfying is being able to go back and to uncharted empires and you know those those sketches that were originally done in there that were done in a hurry because you know it was the book was already almost ready to go and then i dropped the army on them and go back and say actually no not, not, not like that like this so then when the actual models come out they're much much closer to how i how i envisage them obviously there's there's some changes some things have never didn't come out quite the same and sometimes it's quite hard to articulate what you imagine 
and get that through, you know, get that down, get that through Sculpt Manager, get that, who then conveys that to uh, maybe a concept artist, maybe straight into sculpting. You know, you are, either you've got other people's interpretations along the way. But uh, for the whole, I'm, I'm fairly happy with uh, where a lot of the, um, the models have got to and some of the ways that they've morphed and uh, become something maybe not quite how I imagined, but some, you know, their own thing. Awesome. And then rounding out the available unit, the Needle Fangs Regiment is going to also be available. Yeah, so these are uh, kind of this this roiling mass of um, just kind of teeth and claws uh, that, uh, as we've modelled them here, they're kind of kind of rising rising up uh, and biting, and you've got a kind of a, in this kind of cloud of I guess swirling ectoplasm or uh, a kind of just tendrils of who knows what as they kind of uh, roll across the or boil across the, uh, the, the, um, the ground towards you. These things can also kind of shrink and be small and like flow through keyholes and under doors and stuff like that. So obviously you can't model them that small. So this, you know, we've modeled these um, in kind of a, a big kind of just about to hit you in the face mode. But I think they're quite characterful. They were uh, quite interesting to paint. I actually had to, the guy that painted the bulk of our, our Night Stalkers for us, I mean, I left, I left the big pieces to Angel. Uh, as a friend of mine, Dave, painted uh, the rest of the Night Stalkers. I touched these ones up when I got them because um, I didn't feel they were quite right. But, um, uh, you know, they, he'd originally painted all the kind of the, the kind of the cloud of stuff around them, more like clouds, so it was much whiter. Um, I didn't feel that didn't feel that felt quite right. Um, I think it felt it needed to either be a, a, a purple or a glowing green. We'd already done the the, the specters very green, so I went. I just I uh, repainted them and literally just uh, saturated them with purple glazes really a number of times and re-highlighted, re-glazed again uh, to get them out looking how they are. And uh, yeah, I think they could, I think they look quite fun actually. Look at that, Matt, a painting credit. Very cool. All right, well, do we know if anything else is coming out this uh, year? Is that something you can talk about, or do we have to hold Ronnie to uh, feet to the fire at Adepticon? Feet to the fire, I think. Feet to the fire, there you go. And Jordan, you were saying something about clear resin? Yeah, I mean, it seems like some of the some of the things that we haven't seen yet um, in production would be amazing to have in the clear resin, like we saw the Ice Elemental for... Uh, the Kickstarter Vanguard, just as you were saying, Matt, about applying inks, it seems like some inks and washes for those sort of trans-dimensional beings go, going over a clear base could be really cool. So do, do you think there's any chance of that? It's less likely. that It's much thicker resin. It's much, it's much harder to work with from a production point of view. It's therefore harder, slower to cast. So it's less likely we'd want to mass-produce those unless it was for something exclusive, like a, a Kickstarter exclusive or something. Very, very cool. All right. Well, hey, why don't we go ahead and slide into a commercial break. We're going to come back on the other side, and we're going to talk about putting the Night Stalker army on the field. Fantastic, 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 fantastic. I mean, fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Howdy, this is Mark Cox. And this is Jeff Swan. And this is Ryan Smith, and we are the Beer Phase Podcast. We're three TOs from Texas, and we talk about the most important phase in Kings of War, as well as other games we play, the Beer Phase. Hang out with us and get our thoughts on hobby, the best beer available, any gaming tactics and current events in the gaming community, as well as guest interviews from people from all over the world that have the same hobbies we do. 
So grab a beer and have a laugh with us as we BS about all things Wargaming. Check us out on Twitter at TheBeerPhase and TheBeerPhase.Podbean.com or on iTunes. The Beer Phase, one word. Hi, this is Rob Berman, and you're listening to Countercharge. And welcome back. All right, well, a little bit of a flip here. We heard about all the models you can use to build your armies. So why don't we go ahead and talk about actually constructing those armies themselves. So I'm going to make a quick little note. Uh, You just have Jordan and myself today because we are currently in the process of working on our Night Stalker army review. And so we're not going to have a tournament list here because we're going to talk about that during the army review. So I just want to make a little note. So we're going to go all fluff today because you've got the fluff bunnies, Jordan and Mark here with you today. So, (laughs) all right, Jordan. Yep. You got it. All right. So, well, why don't we go ahead and talk about the list. So uh, I'm going to start with 500 points like we typically do. Now, just to make a note, I use the Mantic starter sets and... I actually used, for my 500-point list, all the super cool models I got in my Vanguard Kickstarter. So that's basically forming the core of my army. So, of course, you'd have to pick up the various pieces parts uh, separately now because, of course, you're not getting those Kickstarter bundles. But uh, that's how I did mine. So I'm going to go ahead first, Jordan, and do my 500 points, and then we'll discuss yours. Sound good? Perfect. All right. So my first one. And you guys know I hate painting lots of models. But for this particular one, I'm going to do it. So Because I love those Scarecrow models. I think they look really cool. So I threw in a regiment of the Scarecrows, as you do. And I put the Hammer of Measured Force on them because I hate 5-plus melee attacks. So, you know, but uh, giving them that 4-plus, I think that's pretty good. You know, they got their Stealthy on there. So I think that that's, uh, you know, pretty good. You know me, I hate Defense 3, but... I'm taking advice from the Abyssal one, and they're saying Stealthy's not that bad. So we'll see how that works out. And then we're going to do a regiment of Butchers. I love the Butchers. I love the models. I think they're pretty cool. So I, of course, have got to toss some of those in there. And I had five extra points laying around, so I just threw a blade of slashing on them. And then I did the Shadow Hounds, because Felix always tells me chaff, Mark, chaff. So... I had to throw in a unit of those guys, and I happened to get three Shadow Hounds with my uh, Kickstarter Night Stalker bundle for Vanguard, so that fit very, very nice. And then I put the Dwarven Ale on them because I had extra points, and, you know, I hate... I don't know. For me, a lot of times, at 500 points, I like my units to stick around. I don't like them to chaff up and die, and they're 10-13. So I'm going to take a chance on the Dwarven Ale and, you know, try to have them hold Colin up a little bit. You know, typically that die and then let me charge thing doesn't work out real good for me typically in our game. So, you know, with only four units, typically every unit counts. So that's why I threw some Dwarven Ale on him. And then last but not least, I've got a horror. And of course, it needed to have that hero. And he's got a Surge 8, which isn't going to do a whole lot of good. So, but, uh, well, with the Staircrows, actually, that'll help. So I can push the Scarecrows in there. And uh, I gave him the Warbow of Kaba because he should be able to do something. And I put Bane Chant on him. So I found that working with the Night Stalkers, I had extra points. And they really didn't have super cool low-point armies that I had models for. So I guess I probably could have put in another regiment of Scarecrows. But 
I didn't want to. So, <laughs> so Jordan, what did you put in your list? Well, I, I took a similar approach, just building off of the, the starter army box that's up on the uh, Mantic website right now. You know me. I love undead. I love zombies. So there's shambling scary things in here, and I'm a happy guy. So scarecrows. I also love the models. I like the idea, too, that you could mix in zombies or ghouls with that and not have it look too out of place. I think it gives you a lot of cool modeling opportunities. So, you know, as you said, they're not exactly world beaters in terms of of tabletop performance stock. Uh, And where you used one of my favorites, the Hammer of Measured Force, I went with just making them annoyingly less killable. And my, my hope is that the Hans Sanguinary Scripture will do that. Just giving them life leech seemed really appropriate based on what we talked about this episode in terms of how they feed on fear. So I figured that would be very, very fluffy, very appropriate. And I realized I could I could have gone horde. I went regiment with them uh, so that I could give myself some some specters. So that's next up in the roster. Just, uh, you know, as with Undead, I'm used to not having a whole lot of shooting options. So having something that has some uh, slower shambling units, I just jumped at the chance for for a shooter. Then I added Butchers, because I figured I needed a beat stick in there somewhere. In my regular Undead list, that's usually a, the Whites, and I try to beef them up a little bit. So for the for the Butchers, what I did is I, I went ahead and I added Blessing of the Gods, which seemed fluff-appropriate in kind of an ironic, sad way that these, you know, might have been part of that that great experiment in, in walking between the worlds that ended very badly for so many of the things in the Night Stalker list. So anyway, my butchers have Blessing of the Gods on them. And then, like you, Mark, I also went ahead and added a horror so that I could get that that shambling to be less problematic with the the lovely Surge 8. I also put Bane Chant on them. And since in this, you know, very small army list, low unit count, this guy's really a key player, I went ahead and I put a healing brew on him just for that that kind of one-shot oomph up um, if he's really feeling beaten down at a bad time. So hopefully that'll perform well. It's not a fast list, and I don't expect the shooting to be overwhelming, but uh, at least the shooting has um, Pathfinder on it, so you could you could get up there earlier and, and maybe cause some damage or uh, some distraction at the right moment while the bigger uh, or more tar-pity stuff is, is slogging along behind. Anyway, that was my take. There you go. Yeah, so the Firebolt 18 inches, I kind of like that on my lower abyssals a little bit. So I was taking a look at the Spectres. I thought they were a little pricey, I think. So that's why I kind of backed off on them. So what did you think? Obviously, you picked them up, so... Well, I mean, it's it's the stealthy that really makes a difference. Like like with the um, with the scarecrows, I'm hoping that the stealthy plus the Hans Sanguinary Scripture will give them a whole lot of survivability. It, it just seems like getting there could be kind of tough for them otherwise, so thankfully you have stealthy, and I think that's just kind of a, a cross-army tax that you're paying in order to get up there, and it's a way to kind of allay some of the fears that you might have about defense value and melee. It seems like you really, really do have to pick your battles very carefully with this this type of army, um, given the low defense, and to really uh, commit. Being able to, to nerf people's um, morale to an extent is amazing, but if you if you you know bounce off of them like a like a rubber made garbage can when you charge, uh, you could be really in for a pounding. So I don't know I don't know exactly how this would work out on the field. I'm I'm used to things that are slightly more survivable, but have about the same competence at hitting things. Yeah, I've never played Night Stalkers before, so this was very interesting for me to put these lists together, particularly you know with the models that I had and stuff like that. So. 
very interesting. It's going to be um, going to be a challenge. I, you know, I'm going to take a look at doing this. Like I said, I picked up all these models with my um, Vanguard Kickstarter, so I think I can definitely throw this 500 points together. Not too bad. Going to have to see what the painting table looks like, you know, because I usually paint the thing that I don't. How should I put this? I usually paint the things that I'm not supposed to be painting. Oh. You know what I mean? It's like, now I'm working on this project. Like, I've said it a hundred times. Working on my Varinger, I'll tell you what. I have po- painted more forces of nature and other stuff <laughs> than I have painted Varinger. Because for some reason, I started working on the Marauder Horsemen, and I just can't get over the hump with them. You know what I mean? I, I don't know what it is, but I just, I just, I, I, I haven't enjoyed painting them. So I, I keep looking for other stuff to do. So. I think there's there's your aspirational model in in any project. I often think of it as kind of like the the dessert model, and you may have the like the the overdone kale, you know, horrible Brussels sprout experience models that you just have to get through. And if you can go, okay, if I do this, then I will reward myself with painting this, you know, this cool dragon or this neat character figure or something of that nature. It makes the slog a little bit more bearable. And then, you know, you know what it's like when you finish a unit of 40 something, it is rewarding when you see it all done, but just, you know, it it can seem like that's all that your hobby has become while you're in the middle of it, unless you're just like super slop and go batch painting. For me, like I, I, I had a kind of breakthrough moment with the with the Basilians, where I finally put together six Elohi, and I, I was just like, oh, I get it. This is really an amazing army. Like this is very visually compelling to me all of a sudden, and it and it just it really you know fueled the desire to get the rest of the the men at arms and the the sisterhood that are the older models together and in, in fighting shape. I, I can't tell you how different I feel about that you now having put those uh those big badass angels together i really want to get them done but my forces of nature have called to me so right now i have the greater earth elemental up there so but yeah so i'm gonna have to put these guys together i I, i'm thinking about it so i was gonna say those shadow hounds should be really amazing um in the times that i have played against night night stalkers those things coming in at the flanks or or working their way around the, the rear have just been a nightmare they are actually pretty darn scary. That's awesome. Hopefully they're easy to paint as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to the 1,000 points. So for 1,000 points, I usually build off my 500 because we're working our way towards that tournament army. But Scarecrows, I kept my original regiment. And then I added another one, but I did not put a magic item on there. So I figure one of them is going to be my sacrificial lamb, and then the other one's going to... How much work can scarecrows do? But, you know, they're going to be there. I kept my butchers, kept them with blade of slashing, kept those fabulous shadow hounds. And then I threw in a mind screech. Why? Because I have one. And they've always been, you know, people always say they're scary. But, you know, I know the unit strength and all that stuff. But, hey, I have him. I need to put him on the field. He looks cool. And who doesn't want to paint a big brain, right? So Right. Absolutely. Then I kept the horror. Uh, all kitted out the same. And then I added the Banshee with uh, Lightning Bolt 5 because I have no shooting. <laughs> and then I put Shroud of the Sane on uh, the Banshee as well. So because I had extra points, there was nothing really low points that I could toss in there. And, you know, I thought it would come in handy somehow. So I always know when I uh, fight Shroud of the Saint, I'm all not that happy about it. So I'm going to give that a whirl on there and uh, see what happens. Because um, the Banshee is fearless with a 13 uh, nerve. And so I figured, well, I'll be able to 
you know, suck up some wounds and stuff like that. So, you know, and also stealthy and wind blast seven. So, you know, I think, I think uh, the Banshee could do a little work. So, and for not that many extra models, I get to go from 500 to a thousand points. So that was kind of my thought process there. And I would have an all mantic army. So very, very cool. So Jordan, what'd you come up with? Again, starting from the, the box, I just started adding a little bit more content in as well as, um, one of the more recent releases. Uh, so I added in Shadowhounds, like you did. They're, they're running stock, just a troop of Shadowhounds after the Butchers. I also added in another troop of Spectres for shooting, uh, either to do kind of pike and shot block style thing, where I'd have the Scarecrows in the center and the Spectres off to the flanks, or to have them run forward using Pathfinder, um, depending on which was most appropriate given the mission. So I've got the Shadowhounds, and then I went with Large Cavalry. We talked about the Fiends earlier, and they are just lovely, scuttly, lobster-fest nightmare things. And I just figured they needed to be in the party. So also, you know, Crushing Strength and Stealthy and Vicious is just kind of a nasty combo, the Charge of 16. So they are in. And then for Heroes, I have the the same horror that I did before. Bane Chant, uh, I added Drain Life. And uh, so Drain Life should help when they get stuck in uh, and Surge is maybe less useful at that point in time. And then for for Maya, I had some points left over. I added in uh, a Shade. And I figured, you know, the Shade, it's a flying guy. He's got a charge of 20, five attacks hitting on three plus uh, and crushing strength one. So that could do a little bit of helpful damage. in, in melees that were maybe a little tight otherwise, or uh, go backfield hunting for uh, casters, other sources of um, inspiration, artillery pieces, you know, whatever was was not immediately accessible from the more beat sticky parts of the army list. So that was my logic on that. Um, and again, minimal extra purchases on all of this, just kind of expanding on what's in the box. Well, you certainly got to love the uh, five attacks and the three plus flying around. So with the crushing strength one, you know, my Banshee is your typical character with one attack on a six plus. So that Banshee is not getting into combat anywhere. So that five attacks with the three plus melee on the shade is a lot better. The uh, Banshee, more of your typical caster stats with a one attack and a six plus. So I think I'm kind of liking your choice better. Well, I mean, what are, what kind of work are you expecting the Banshee to do? More or less to sit in the back, shoot a little bit, suck up uh, some wounds, and, you know, keep people at bay. That's kind of the big thing, kind of flying and stuff like that. But, yeah, looking over the shade, I am thinking I might, uh, I, I think I might swap that out. So, you know, that that's very good. You know, with the defense of five, too, I mean, that that's pretty good. It's respectable, yeah. <laughs> does, the, does the Banshee have access to Wind Blast? Yes, that is actually part of the base for the Banshee. They get Wind Blast 7, so that's kind of the reason I picked it up, just to kind of push people out a little bit and stuff like that. I've not had a lot of success with Wind Blast, but for the Night Stalker type of army, I thought it was something I might want to try. Well, yeah, that seems really great. But, uh, you know, Wind Blast is tricky for me. It's one of those things where I keep thinking, okay, this is going to be really cool. I can nudge people the right way. But, you know, since I'm often relying on Surge, having, like, two variable movement things is a a little bit too iffy for me in a lot of cases. If I weren't running an army that was relying on a lot of Surge already, I think Wind Blast might be a lot more attractive. But definitely, given some of the survivability issues and not wanting to take a charge first, 
I think that having the uh, having wind blast is, is actually really cool to keep people off of, say, your butchers or make sure your hounds get the charge in. So it, it could be really vital, especially in a larger army, like in a 2,000-point army, the expenditure of points might make more sense. No, I've never really, like I said, gotten wind blast to work for me very much. And, you know, this army's got some speed, but it's not that fast. So maybe if you could help those scarecrows out a little bit or something... I don't know, but it's just uh, something, you know, I was kind of thinking about a little bit. Combination of the Surge and the Wind Blast. Fortunately, that's on the two different casters that I have in the army. So I thought that that might kind of be an interesting combination. So, you know, and that's kind of what you do is you build these armies and you kind of figure out, you know, where you want to go before you get to your tournament army. One of the things, Mark, that I, I wanted to try to throw in, um, if I could find 15 points to spare somewhere, was to add Pipes of Terror, because it just seemed so appropriate to the army, just to have them be that little extra scary to try to push melee over the edge. Oh, yeah, that would be very thematic. I mean, that would be absolutely pretty terrific. So if I could find them somewhere, you know, well, maybe I can carve out an extra 10 points in here somewhere. Toss them on the butchers might be a good place to toss those since they're your beat stick. If you decided to go big on uh, on scarecrows, though, like up to take them up to a horde, that hammer of measured force gets to be super annoying really fast. It's it's just delightful. Oh, it is. And Horde is definitely the place to take it. So, but, you know, I just had the two regiments in there putting it together. I'm sure that those boys will be hoarding up when they go up and upscale into the tournament list. They'll definitely combine powers. The Wonder Twins will activate and become a Horde. So, well, since we talked about it, having those, um, Matt was mentioning the uh, the extra resin parts to, to alter some of the models that people may have through the Kickstarter and kind of, you know, add a little bit of unit diversity. Are there any things that were kind of born out of the Kickstarter specifically that you, you would really want to put in a larger list? Yeah, actually, I think what they did was they actually put together the unit of horrors, I think, because the model was pretty cool and you got a bunch. I think Matt mentioned that. So, you know, that'd be kind of a cool thing to put together is, uh, you know, that unit of horrors. And, you know, I just want to see more and more and more of the different unit types, too. So I wish that there was a good pack of the Reapers because I didn't have enough of them and I really wanted to put them in my list, but I couldn't figure out a way to do it without getting the Mega Army. Oh, yeah. I, I will say, though, it's really cool to be able to to jump in on an army where where essentially nearly everything is ready to go right now. You know, you're not you could, based on the fluff descriptions, use a lot of different proxies from from, you know, things in your bits box to scratch building to, you know, heaven forbid toys. You know, if that's the right thing you want to use just based on the things of nightmare descriptions. But it's so cool that you don't have to. It's, it's lovely to see such a well-developed, consistent line of stuff all hit the market at the same time, or roughly the same time, from Mantic, and I'm, I'm thrilled to see that. Absolutely. I'm certainly considering tossing in some needle fangs and stuff like that as I upgrade here, you know, and start moving forward. And, you know, those fiends are a little scuddly and stuff, so they, they definitely look like they'll be interesting. And, you know, the Shadow Hulk, it'll be interesting to see how we upscale these lists and that's why I'm really looking forward to the Night Stalker Armory Review to, you know, sit down with some Night Stalker generals and really dig into this, you know, a little deeper. So, and that is going to be coming pretty soon. You know, that, again, is why we didn't put a tournament list in this time around. 
Now, with that, Mark, is there going to be a Vanguard component? Well, I again, I'm always a big proponent. I think it would be cool to play Vanguard on Friday night and have it affect the first game of the tournament the next day. I think that would be very cool. And, you know, I'm not quite sure. I will certainly ask to see if uh, people want to tackle a little Vanguard as we're going through the Kings of War Night Stalker Army review as well. So that might be better set to um, actually be a separate episode. So... We'll have to put the shout out. If you are a Night Stalker faction general for Vanguard, certainly reach out to me at countercharge2015 at AOL.com, and we'll see if we can put a show together. Very, very cool. All right, Jordan. Well, hey, while we go ahead and slide into a commercial break, we'll come back on the other side. We'll do shout outs, and we'll wrap up the show. We'll be back to countercharge after this brief message. Guys, we need a bumper to share with the other Mantic podcasts. No swearing allowed. Oh, real professional. The Fourth of Snake is a UK-based Kings of War podcast, presented by... John. I want to be an individual. Dan. Nick. Can I go to the toilet, please? And Matt. You can find us on Facebook at OFFS, and on Twitter at O4FootSnake. And you can find us on iTunes. That's 32 points of damage. Let's do a nerve check. Anything but Snake Eyes. This is Vince Rossbaum from Wingtusser Publishing, and you're listening to Countercharge. And welcome back. All right, time for shout-outs. Oh, it's been a wonderful show. Again, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. No problem. It's, uh, it's been good fun. I hope, you've, uh, hope you guys have enjoyed it too and uh, maybe learned a new thing or two. Absolutely, absolutely. So do you have any shout-outs, Matt? Anything uh, we should know about that we haven't already heard today? Well, uh, yeah, I've got one shout-out. It's I'm reading the uh, show notes. I'm going to steal someone else's thunder, but it was to Greg at Easy Army, who does a huge amount of work for us um, and will continue to do so. So we're working on him on some things uh, with him uh, at the moment. But, yeah, big shout-out to Greg and all the work he does. If you uh, haven't already, you should go check Easy Army out and uh, maybe give him some support. Absolutely. As I always say, you know, if you got a few extra rubles laying around, a few extra pounds here or there, you know, go ahead and throw them Greg's way, which is fantastic. So, all right. Well, again, Matt, thanks so much for joining us. Jordan, any shout-outs today? Uh, just to the local um, Kings War Pacific Northwest group. Continue to have new members coming in. Uh, I've seen some old friends from other gaming systems recently join the group. So I just want to give my thanks to the people who've been keeping the group so active, both in a tournament sense and also uh, recently into more casual play. Uh, Ryan Munsell has uh, offered uh, a community space at the place where he lives and and, uh, is hosting weekly both the kings of war and vanguard so uh, that's really clicking along and i just uh i'm, I'm very thankful to have such a, a an active community here well for myself matt just talked about it but hey big shout out to easyarmy.com can you spot blaster on the page of course our army section is powered by easyarmy.com and just a big thank 2019 is up and active so it does exist in mark's world so i'm very happy to see that that is for sure. So big shout out to everybody who is coming to Adepticon. Very, very excited about that. It's going to be a lot of people coming, which is going to be terrific. Matt, I did not see you on the UK contingent list. Is that going to change or uh, going to be staying home this time? No, I won't be there, I'm afraid. Hopefully next year we'll get a chance to see you. But I love Adepticon. It is just the best time. I just love it. So hopefully if you get a chance, uh, you can head out there and check it out. Lots and lots of fun. If you have any questions for us here in the Narrative Workshop, please give me an email at countercharge2015 at AOL.com. 
All right. Well, if that's it, we're going to go ahead and call this episode done and dusted. So, Matt, do you want to take us out? Until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.